0: Well, good morning. Uh, if we have not had the chance to meet, my name is Adam Kasel. I'm the vision and administration pastor here on staff. Uh, before I get into the message, I just want to say sometimes I get the sneaking suspicion that God's up to something and want, and will speak to multiple people at the same time to bring something together. That's a little teaser for later on. <clears throat> Well, if you are new or looking to get more connected, in the seat in front of you, there's, there's a QR code. You can scan that with your phone's camera. We've also got some posters out in the lobby of different areas um, for the church that you might want to get some information on. So I encourage you uh, to do that. I uh, also want to remind you that every week we have a prophetic discerner. He or she will sit uh, in the vacant seat to Randy's right. Uh, but we believe that God speaks to us. Um, and so if you think you might have a word for the church, come and, and share that with the person um, and they'll discern with you whether that's kind of for right now um, or for later or for you or for the whole church. Quick show of hands, has anybody seen the pretty new movie that, that came out called Air? The story, the story about how uh, Nike signed Michael Jordan to a shoe contract. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Before I do, I need to come clean with a confession. I've repented of it. I, when I, as a kid, I was a Michael Jordan hater because I was a Pistons fan. So my guys were Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumars, and Dennis Rodman. All right. So for my young mind, I could not reconcile supporting my team and one of their rivals who just happened to be the best player to ever play. Now, I've repented of that. All right. He's, he's the greatest. He's the greatest of all time. All right, so I just had to come clean with that and, you know, to to talk about my Pistons a little bit. (laughs) Now, to give a little context of that movie and and what was happening, uh, so as I said, it was about uh, when Nike signed Michael Jordan to a shoe contract. Now, this happened in uh, around June of 1984. I was three years old, to give you an idea of how old I am now. So just out of curiosity, I, I want to hear from you. What do you think, which brand do you think was the most popular shoe co- company in 1984? Over half the basketball shoes sold were, by, were from this company. Converse. Yeah, Converse. They had such stars as Michael, uh, Magic Johnson, uh, Larry Bird, Dr. J, Julius Irving. Who was the number two most popular? Adidas. Crazy. Adidas, second most popular. And then it was Nike. Now, if, if you had asked me who was the big dog shoe companies at that time when, when Michael Jordan was trying to decide who to sign with, I would have said Nike because by the time I was paying attention to shoe brands, Nike was, it was the basketball shoe. Adidas was a soccer shoe. But, but things were different in 1984. And so the, it's the story about Nike kind of going all in, trying to sign this young, uh, newly drafted rookie named Michael Jordan. And what's interesting is his mom, uh, Dolores, was actually, she made this revolutionary requirement. Uh, she said, we want a percentage of the sales. It had never been done before. But for the first time, uh, a, a company... Did that I don't want to say too much else it's a, it's a good movie there's a lot of um, French, so if you are adverse to hearing that, fair warning there okay Michael Jordan would go on to become an icon in the sport of basketball and even transcending basketball. He was also uh, an kind of iconoclast. I use that in the positive sense because they challenged the established uh, practice at that time where Athletes didn't get a percentage of shoes that were kind of sold in their names. And they, they changed that, and, and eventually Michael Jordan would get his own shoe line. Now, if you don't know what's going on with those companies, it's a pretty amazing story about how Michael Jordan signed one of the largest shoe endorsements. I mean, he, he was one of the first athletes to really leverage who he is uh, for these endorsements. But when you hear what was going on, Nike was, was just trying to get into basketball. They were a running shoe. That it becomes that much more impressive. And you see how revolutionary it was. This morning, we're going to look at a passage that a, a plain reading of it is interesting. And to be quite honest, it probably leaves a lot more questions for us as we go through than really answers. But compared to the other Passages like that, other accounts in other religions, it was revolutionary. So, this morning, if you didn't know, is Trinity Sunday. So, across the world, a lot of traditions will celebrate the Trinity. Uh, it, the idea that there is one God in three persons. It's probably one of the most unique beliefs that we have as Christians because we believe there is one God. So we're, we're not polytheists, and yet he always have, always has, always will exist in three persons. Last week, we celebrated Pentecost, which was about the time of when the Holy Spirit was first poured out on the church. And, and we now live in a time where the Holy Spirit dwells within every person who's trusted in Jesus. That was a, a significant change in how God interacted with humanity. So if you have a a Bible with you, I invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 1. If you've never opened a Bible before, good news, it's the first page. So get just past the table of contents, you're in Genesis 1. So I'm going to read just a few verses. Um, I'm going to read 1 through 5, and then I'll skip down um, to verse 26. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness night. An evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. Down to verse 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he made and saw that it was very good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you for being the creator God who has redeemed us, who's brought us back to himself, the one who exists always as father, son, and spirit. And we know that uh, you are dwelling within us, that you are in our midst for those here in person and and watching online. And so would you fill this this space? Would you fill our hearts and our minds and help us to receive what you have for us? In Jesus' name, amen. The main thing that I want you to take away from this morning is that the the triune, self-sufficient God is glad to be with us. The triune, self-sufficient God is glad to be with us. As we see, we, we get hints of in this passage that this is a God who lacks nothing in himself because of who he is already, and he already exists in community. Yet he creates everything And us as humans, as his image and likeness bearers, he invites us into relationship. So the first thing that we're going to look at this morning is, again, this is a triune, self-sufficient God from verses 1, 1 to 5. Now, when we read Genesis, especially the first couple of chapters, it challenges our Western worldview because it's not a scientific work. We want it to be science. We want it to answer these, these questions of science, but that's not what it was intended to do. Instead, what it does is it, it I'm going to use some fun systematic theology terms. It, it, it introduces um, theology proper. In other words, who God is. It gives us a, a theology of creation, namely that it's good, it's very good. And we start to see a biblical anthropology who humans are. In particular, we're made in God's image and likeness. Another thing that is happening here in Genesis 1 and 2 is it's a polemic. It's, it's making fun of, actually, other creation accounts, making fun of other religions, other nations, and making fun of astrology. So I believe Moses was the one who compiled Genesis and so he's writing down this story, and, and it's coming from this perspective of, for Moses, writing to his fellow countrymen and women, you, our people have been enslaved for 400 years. We are no longer slaves. We're not slaves any longer. He's communicating truth through reflecting on a current reality. Another example Moses calls the sun and the moon a greater light and the lesser light, not because they didn't have words for it, but because other religions, they had a sun god and a moon god. And so Moses is like, you can worship them. Our God made them. Worship worship those, but our God is greater. He's also saying the stars don't determine the type of day that you're going to have. Hey, Pisces, don't make any big decisions today. Taurus, the person you most trust is sneaking behind your back, right? Rather, it marks out a reminder to celebrate festivals. That's why it says the stars mark the seasons. Another thing that we actually don't see as we read through is that creation is not the result of a cosmic war. It's not God tired of of caring for creation, so he makes humans to be his slaves. That's, other common creation accounts, rather it's incredibly peaceful. God speaks and creation listens. Who wouldn't want to live in that kind of world? Let the dishes be done and they were done. (laughs) Let there be quiet and there was quiet. Let the report be finished or the paper be finished and it was finished. Doesn't that sound amazing? I'll come back to this, but it's significant that humanity was created on day six, and their first day, they rest. God didn't create and immediately put them to work. Work is good, but it's not our primary identity. And as God goes through and, and creates from each day, He's declaring everything good. There's light and there's darkness. It's good. There's water above and water below. It's good. There's dry land and there's sea. It's good. The sun and the moon. There's plants and there's animals. And then there's humans being made in God's image and likeness. He's elevating both genders. He's saying everybody bears God's likeness, not just the king. It's everybody. And then he rests because everything was complete. He didn't need to do anything more. God could have done more, but this is where we get to partner with him. So what we see reading through, God's incredible delight in creation. Again, it's good, and then at the very end, it's very good. He's like an artist celebrating each day of creation. Anybody ever worked on a project that's taken you more than a day? One of the hardest things is knowing when to stop, right? I I can't find a stopping point. And yet what we see is God has no problem with that. I'm going to let there be light. That's good enough. Um, It's the first day. Let there be water above and water below. Beautiful. It's amazing. Steps back and enjoys it. And he goes on and on. One interesting thing, speaking of work and, and and leaving it behind, studies have found that people who have jobs where they can't take it home actually have greater job satisfaction. One of the things working from home, one of the major detriments is we work longer because it's there. We can do it. I don't know if you've ever heard this CEOs, the number one job that they will do around their house, they don't that they don't hire somebody to do, is mow their own lawn because they want to see a job started and completed on the same day. Back to God as an artist, art galleries are a reflection of someone who is proud of what they created. They, they put it on display for somebody to look at and appreciate. I think we all feel this on some level when we've created something. We want other people to enjoy it. That's why any critique is so hard, because we're putting ourselves out there. Fortunately, I've never had this experience, but I know how it would go. Parents, imagine if somebody came up to you and was like, I really like you and I like your spouse. I don't like your kids. Like, we're not going to be friends because they're a (laughs) reflection of me. I helped make them. Another part of the importance of community, is of, uh, sorry, the Trinity, is that it shows God is community, the three persons, perfectly enjoying one another. There's never any tension or disagreement among the Godhead. God is fully integrated in himself. And who God is cannot happen outside of relationship, and yet God is the only fully independent being. Let that mess with your mind for a little bit. The idea of the Trinity is something we can never fully understand. Every analogy and metaphor metaphor falls short. And yet, it's essential to who God is. The creation accounts let us know God did not need us. He doesn't need us. It's not to say we don't matter. We matter to The greatest extent to God. However, what it shows us is he created out of desire, not out of need. Not because God was lacking in himself, and so we've got to somehow fill that void for God, but just out of pure delight. Now, as we read the beginning of of Genesis 1, it sounds really similar to John 1. I think John is meditating on Genesis 1, and, and he's showing how Jesus, the, the Trinity, is, is existent even from creation. That Jesus, being the words that God spoke, you know, the Spirit hovering over, is the same one who dwells within us. Again, we, we see a self-sufficient God who lacks nothing, who already exists in community and wants to bring us as humans into that community. The second thing we're going to look at is that God is glad to be with us from verses 1, 26 to 2, 3. Now, before uh, I look at those, I just want to talk a little bit. E- the Garden of Eden is not mentioned in this, but Eden was meant to actually be a temple. It's the place where heaven and earth overlapped. The language of uh, what the man and the woman are to do to work and keep the garden is the same language that Moses will say that the priests are to do in the temple, work and keep. Because temples were a place where where God would dwell, would come and interact with people. What's interesting is humans are always the ones to build a temple for God. And yet here, God is the one who builds the temple to be with humanity. Later on, Paul, deeply steeped in these scriptures and trying to understand how Jews and Gentiles come together, he tells the Corinthian church, all y'all are the temple of God. We are the place where heaven and earth meet. So when people interact with us, they're interacting with the temple of God. So not only does God want to be with us, it says that he creates humanity in his image and likeness. Image there, um, in every other place in the Bible, actually is is translated idol. We're God's idols. Not that he worships us, but we're the kind of physical representation of God. uh, These images uh, would also be in a kingdom placed throughout a kingdom as a reminder of who the king is. It lets the people know this is who's in charge. So we, bearing God's image, when we see one another, when creation sees humanity, it's a reminder God's in charge. As I said earlier, the fact that it's both men and women is elevating both genders. The idea of the, the likeness of God, again, it was only the king during that time, only the king would be said to be made in the in the likeness of God. And now God's saying, no, everybody is. So since God didn't need us, it means he wanted us. And we're not doing what he didn't want to or couldn't, but he's sharing with us uh, what he was doing, reigning over creation. Just to summarize this um, verses 26 through 28, or uh, actually through the end of chapter one. So reign over creation. Fill the earth. He wanted these image and likeness bearers to make more. Go on, make as many as you want. And he gives abundant provision. God's desire was to share reigning and ruling with us. If we don't need somebody to be with us, but, but want to be. You know, we're going to share responsibilities with people we want to be around. God's glad to be with us. He wants to be around us. Now, some of you may be thinking, this was before the fall. Okay, fair enough. But let's just walk through history afterwards. God told the man and the woman, if you eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you'll die. They didn't die right away. God wasn't lying. He was being merciful. He didn't scrap the Adam and Eve project and create humanity 2.0. Not only when he sent them out of the garden uh, did he do so, but he improved their clothing like leaves. Here's some animal fur. Many, many years later, when God calls Abraham God wants to be with him, to to bless his family line, to be a a family marked by this God with them. The nation of Israel was supposed to be uh, in such relationships, celebrating God and and obeying his commands that other nations would look and say, we want to be like them. We want to follow that God. Jesus comes and the name that he's given is Emmanuel, God With us. We, as the church, since Pentecost, had the Spirit dwelling within us. And then, as we look forward to the new heavens and the new earth, God's going to be with us forever. How long do you want to be with people you don't like? God must really like us. As I said earlier, humanity's first day was a, a day of rest, further solidifying this image and likeness, that we're people to work and be with, that we are not slaves. God is over us in the sense that he's greater than us. He's, he's incomparable to who we are, but yet he wants to be with us. He doesn't want to be in, in relationship from this, I'm bigger than you, you listen to what I say, but working side by side. Friends, if we can get that God is glad to be with us, it helps so much. In neuroscience, over the last couple of decades, they've been realizing the the essential nature of joy. And and all kind of neuroscientists, what they will agree with as a definition of joy across worldviews is I'm glad to be with you. That the the sense of joy, which is, it's an emotion. It's a super emotion. It can transcend every other emotion and circumstance. Is this idea of I'm glad to be with you. It's relational. Joy is relational. We cannot experience joy apart from relationship. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, one of the things he's thinking about that he wants to tell his disciples before he He undergoes one of the most horrific experiences a person could go through. He says, I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. God is a God of joy. The only way we can have complete joy is by receiving it from God. Others will and do play an important role in being able to, for us to receive God's joy. This morning, the reason there's a a spirit of celebration is because God's glad to be with us. This is why he breaks off oppression and depression, and and there's the, the oil of gladness and joy that's being poured out is coming from God himself. It's not separate from who God is. God's joy and his, the gladness he has in being with you never changes. It never changes. In your best moment, maybe you're, maybe you're there right now. You're living your best life. You're in your best moment. God's glad to be with you. Maybe it was a time in the past. God was glad to be with you. In your worst moment, maybe that's this morning or now or sometime in your past, God is glad to be with you. He's glad to be with your favorite person. He's glad to be with the one you struggle with the most. So again, this is another way that we bear his image and likeness by being with others. What I've realized in in thinking about this and the, the idea of joy is that the people I feel most lifted up or filled up after spending time with, the most alive and encouraged are the people who are joy super spreaders. Just as we are spending time together, they're communicating to me, I'm glad to be with you. That's what I walk away with. So we get to communicate this to one another. Parents, there's the sobering and amazing reality That we are our kids' first understanding of joy. That our spouses and friends play a a vital role in in us being able to communicate and receive from them joy. That the church is a place of joy. That we can communicate to one another, we're glad to be with, with you. Doesn't mean we're always gonna get along perfectly. And always super enjoy it, but at least maybe we can experience God's joy for that person and let that flow through us to them. So again, God created us because he wants to be with us and us with him. Our sin did not change that. God has dealt with that. It's in the past. He's forgotten about it. we get to learn to trust that he's dealt with our sin and live living out who he says we are. And part of that is embracing joy, embracing that God is glad to be with us no matter what. And So I want to give a couple of practical application to to walk away this morning. So as I'm talking about this idea of joy and that, that God is glad to be with you, if you feel yourself resistant to that, really resistant, please sign up for a, a Sozo session. The email will be, will be up here if you, if you don't know it. These are people who know that God is glad to be with, with you and with them. So if you are having a, a tough time, they will sit with you. They'll leverage their faith that God is glad to be with you uh, so that you can start to experience that. Uh, for yourself. If you're not super resistant, but want to grow in this idea of joy, uh, um, I've got a suggestion for just kind of personal time with the Lord. And that's going to be up here so that you can uh, take a picture of that if this sounds helpful to you. So start out, just quiet yourself. Find a quiet place. You probably know this, but I'll just spell it out. Put your phone on Do Not Disturb and put it away from you so that you can't reach out and grab it and check it. All right? Quiet yourself. And as different things start to bubble up, write them down. They'll be there later. Or you just intentionally give those to the Lord. As Like I said, things will come up. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of what and when and how many. And so after some time of quiet, and you feel like your inner person is quiet enough, simply pray, God, I invite you and you alone to speak. And then ask, what lies do I believe about myself? And just start writing them down. Don't edit it. Don't say, oh, no, I don't. Just write it out. Stream of consciousness. Write that out. When God's brought everything up or as much as you can handle at that moment and nothing else is coming up, ask him what truths do you want to replace those lies with and just write them out. Don't edit. Don't overthink it. Just write it out. (laughs) Then ask God, what lies do I believe about you? Write those out. And then, what truths do you want to replace those lies with? Write those out. Write them all out. And then what you'll do is you'll just say, you know, I, tur- I turn away. I get rid of the lies of. And if you want to stand up and make like a throwing motion or or pushing it away, do that. With And then, as you've done that with all those lies that have come up, say, I replace those lies with the truth that, and you hands open just to receive from God, what does he want to replace that with? And then ask God to experience the joy that he has toward you. Ask him if, you, if he, he would let you experience the joy, the gladness to be with you that he has toward you. And as you do, as, as you receive more and more God's joy, you'll just naturally give it away to others. Because people will walk away, oh, I love spending time with her, I love spending time with him. Because you're just giving them joy. Communicating that you're glad to be with them and that God's glad to be with them. Uh, Michelle, if you wouldn't mind coming forward. And, and anybody, everybody on the, the ministry time, or ministry team, we're going to go into our ministry time so, as we looked at this morning, the triune, self-sufficient God is glad to be with us. He does not need us, but he wants to be with us. So, again, not only is he glad, but he, he really wants to be with us. He, he desires time with us, and that we get to receive and communicate that joy from him and others and to others. So I, uh, a couple of things. I just want to um, remind everybody Nancy's word and, and Nancy, if you wouldn't mind coming forward just to pray for people. If that, if her word about the oil of gladness really resonated with you, um, come. She's obviously has has it to give away. So ask her to to pray for you. Um, if you are finding this morning that this idea is hard to believe, that God wants to be with you, that He's glad to be with you, come get prayer. I mean sign up for Sozo, they'll, they'll get in touch with you. But this is maybe even a first step in that. Come ask ask for prayer. I think there's also an opportunity for us this morning to turn away from the lie that God doesn't want to be with you or that he's angry with you about something. A lot of times it's easier for us to believe that God is angry with us than that he's glad to be with us. So if if you know or feel like there's something that might be hindering you from experiencing that, just turn from it. Say Just tell God, you you turn from that, You, you want to receive or turn to a place of receiving his joy and his gladness. Or if you realize there's something he's asked you to do and you haven't done yet, do it. Or do what you're able now. If you have any other needs, our team would love to pray for you. Spiritual, emotional, physical. Michelle will be praying our, our teams will be available I'll give you a moment uh, to respond to that stay, um, either just praying um, or listening to Michelle play, or to come forward, our, our teams will be here. If you need to go get your kids from children's ministry, you're released to do so. If you need to leave, go in peace to love and serve the Lord.